Chapter Three of Lad a Dog by Albert Payson Terhune. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter Three A Miracle of Two. The connecting points between the inner and outer lad were a pair of the wisest and darkest and most sorrowful eyes in all dogdom eyes that gave the lie to folk who say no dog has a soul there are such dogs once in a human generation lad had but one tyrant in all the world that was his dainty golden-white collie-mate lady lady whose affections he had won in fair life-and-death battle with a younger and stronger dog lady who bullied him unmercifully and teased him and did fearful things to his stately dignity and to whom he allowed liberties that would have brought any other aggressor painfully near to death lady was high-strung and capricious a collie de luxe lad and she were as oddly contrasted a couple in body and mind as one could find in a day's journey through their north jersey hinterland to the place at intervals far too few between to suit lad came human guests people for the most part who did not understand dogs and who either drew away in causeless fear from them or else insisted on patting or hauling them about lad detested guests he met their advances with cold courtesy and as soon as possible got himself out of their way he knew the law far too well to snap or to growl at a guest but the law did not compel him to stay within padding distance of one the careless caress of the mistress or the master especially of the mistress was a delight to him he would sport like an overgrown puppy with either of these deities throwing dignity to the four winds but to them alone did he unbend to them and to his adored tyrant lady to the place of a cold spring morning came a guest or two guests lad at first was not certain which the visible guest was a woman and in her arms she carried a long bundle that might have been anything at all long as was the bundle it was ridiculously light or rather pathetically light for its folds contained a child five years old a child that ought to have weighed more than forty pounds and weighed barely twenty a child with a wizened little face and with a skeleton body which was powerless from the waist down six months earlier the baby had been as vigorous and jolly as a collie pup until an invisible something prowled through the land laying its fingertips on thousands of such jolly and vigorous youngsters as frost's fingers are laid on autumn flowers and with the same hideous effect this particular baby had not died of the plague as had so many of her fellows at least her brain and the upper half of her body had not died her mother had been counseled to try mountain air for the hopeless little invalid she had written to her distant relative the mistress asking leave to spend a month at the place lad viewed the arrival of the adult guest with no interest and with less pleasure he stood aloof at one side of the veranda as the newcomer alighted from the car but when the master took the long bundle from her arms and carried it up the steps lad waxed curious 
not only because the master handled his burden so carefully, but because the collie's uncanny scent power told him all at once that it was human. Lad had never seen a human carried in this manner. It did not make sense to him, and he stepped hesitantly forward to investigate. The master laid the bundle tenderly on the veranda hammock swing, and loosed the blanket folds that swathed it. Lad came over to him, and looked down into the pitiful little face. There had been no baby at the place for many a year. Lad had seldom seen one at such close quarters. But now the sight did something queer to his heart, the big heart that ever went out to the weak and defenseless, the heart that made a playfully snappy puppy or a cranky little lap-dog as safe from his terrible jaws as was Lady herself. He sniffed in friendly fashion at the child's pathetically upturned face. Into the dull baby eyes, at sight of him, came a look of pleased interest, the first that had crossed their blankness for many a long day. Two feeble little hands reached out, and buried themselves lovingly in the massive soft ruff that circled Lad's neck. The dog quivered all over, from nose to brush, with joy at the touch. He laid his great head down beside the drawn cheek, and positively reveled in the pain the tugging fingers were inflicting on his sensitive throat. In one instant, Lad had widened his narrow and hard-established circle of loved ones, to include this half-dead wisp of humanity. The child's mother came up the steps in the master's wake. At the sight of the huge dog, she halted in quick alarm. "'Look out!' she shrilled. "'He may attack her. Oh, do drive him away!' who lad queried the mistress why lad wouldn't harm a hair of her head if his life depended on it see he adores her already i never knew him to take to a stranger before and she looks brighter and happier too than she has looked in months don't make her cry by sending him away from her but insisted the woman dogs are full of germs i've read so he might give her some terrible lad is just as clean and as germless as i am declared the mistress with some warmth there isn't a day he doesn't swim in the lake and there isn't a day i don't brush him he's he's a collie though protested the guest looking on in uneasy distaste while baby secured a tighter and more painful grip on the delighted dog's ruff and i've always heard collies are awfully treacherous don't you find them so if we did put in the master who had heard that same asinine question until it sickened him if we found collies were treacherous we wouldn't keep them a collie is either the best dog or the worst dog on earth that is the best we don't keep the other kind i'll call him away though if it bothers you to have him so close to baby come lad reluctantly the dog turned to obey the law glancing back as he went at the adorable new idol he had acquired, then crossing obediently to where the master stood. The baby's face puckered unhappily. Her pipe-stem arms went out toward the collie. In a tired little voice she called out after him, "'Dog! Doggy! Come back here, right away! I love you, dog!' Lad, vibrating with eagerness, glanced up at the master for leave to answer the call. The master, in turn, looked inquiringly at his nervous guest. Lad translated the look, and, instantly, 
he felt an unreasoning hate for the fussy woman the guest walked over to her weakly gesticulating daughter and explained dogs aren't nice pets for sick little girls dear they're rough and besides they bite i'll find dolly for you as soon as i unpack don't want dolly fretted the child want the dog he isn't rough he won't bite doggy i love you come here lad looked up longingly at the master his plumed tail a wag his ears up his eyes dancing one hand of the master stirred toward the hammock in a motion so imperceptible that none but a sharply watchful dog could have observed it lad waited for no second bidding quietly unobtrusively he crossed behind the guest and stood beside his idol the baby fairly squealed with rapture and drew his silken head down to her guest oh well surrendered the guest sulkily if she won't be happy any other way let him go to her i suppose it's safe if you people say so and it's the first thing she's been interested in since no darling she broke off sternly you shall not kiss him i draw the line at that here let mamma rub your lips with her handkerchief dogs aren't made to be kissed said the master sharing however lad's disgust at the lip-scrubbing process but she'll come to less harm from kissing the head of a clean dog than from kissing the mouths of most humans i'm glad she likes lad and i'm still gladder that he likes her it's almost the first time he ever went to an outsider of his own accord that was how lad's idolatry began and that too was how a miserably sick child found a new interest in life every day from morning to dusk lad was with the baby forsaking his immemorial cave under the music-room piano he lay all night outside the door of her bedroom in preference even to a romp through the forest with lady he would pace majestically alongside the invalid's wheelchair as it was trundled along the walks or up and down the veranda forsaking his post on the floor at the left of the master's seat at meals a place that had been his alone since puppyhood he lay always behind the baby's table couch this to his vast discomfort of the maid who had to step over him in circumnavigating the board and to the open annoyance of the child's mother baby as the days went on lost none of her first pleasure in her shaggy playmate to her the dog was a ceaseless novelty she loved to twist and braid the great ruff on his chest to toy with his sensitive ears to make him speak or shake hands or lie down or stand up at her bidding she loved to play a myriad of intricate games with him games ranging from beauty and the beast to fairy princess and dragon whether as beast to her beauty or in the more complex and exacting role of dragon lad entered wholesouledly into every such game of course he always played his part wrong equally of course baby always lost her temper at his stupidity and pummeled him by way of chastisement with her nerveless fists a punishment lad accepted with a grin of idiotic bliss whether because of the keenly bracing mountain air or because of her outdoor days with a chum who awoke her dormant interest in life baby was growing stronger and less like a sallow ghostling and in the relief of noting this steady improvement her mother continued to tolerate lad's chumship with the child 
although she had never lost her own first unreasoning fear of the big dog two or three things happened to revive this foolish dread one of them occurred about a week after the invalid's arrival at the place lady being no fonder of guests than was lad had given the veranda and the house itself a wide berth but one day as baby lay in the hammock trying in a wordy irritation to teach lad the alphabet and as the guests sat with her back to them writing letters lady trotted around the corner of the porch at sight of the hammock's queer occupant she paused and stood blinking inquisitively baby spied the graceful golden-white creature pushing lad to one side she called imperiously come here new doggy you pretty pretty doggy lady her vanity thus appealed to strolled mincingly forward just within arm's reach she halted again baby thrust out one hand and seized her by the ruff to draw her into petting distance the sudden tug on lady's fur was as nothing to the haulings and maulings in which lad so meekly reveled but lad and lady were by no means alike as i think i have said boundless patience and a chivalrous love for the weak were not numbered among lady's erratic virtues she liked liberties as little as did lad and she had a far more drastic way of resenting them at the first pinch of her sensitive skin there was an instant flash of gleaming teeth accompanied by a nasty growl and a lightning-quick forward lunge of the dainty gold-white head as the wolf slashes at a foe and as no animals but wolf and collie know how to lady slashed murderously at the thin little arm that sought to pull her along and lad in the same breath hurled his great bulk between his mate and his idol it was a move unbelievably swift for so large a dog and it served its turn the eye-tooth slash that would have cut the little girl's arm to the bone sent a red furrow athwart lad's massive shoulder before lady could snap again or indeed could get over her surprise at her mate's intervention lad was shouldering her off the edge of the veranda steps very gently he did this and with no show of teeth but he did it with much firmness in angry amazement at such rudeness on the part of her usually subservient mate lady snarled ferociously and bit at him just then the child's mother roused from her letter-writing by the turmoil came rushing to her endangered offspring's rescue he growled at baby she reported hysterically as the noise brought the master out of his study and to the veranda on the run he growled at her and then he and that other horrid brute got to fighting and pardon me interposed the master calling both dogs to him but man is the only animal to maltreat the female of his kind no male dog would fight with lady much less would lad hello he broke off look at his shoulder though that was meant for baby instead of scolding lad you may thank him for saving her from an ugly slash i'll keep lady chained up after this but but with lad beside her baby is in just about as much danger as she would be with a guard of forty u s regulars went on the master take my word for it come along lady it's the kennel for you for the next few weeks old girl lad when i get back i'll wash that shoulder for you 
With a sigh, Lad went over to the hammock and lay down heavily. For the first time since Baby's advent at the place, he was unhappy. Very, very unhappy. He had had to jostle and fend off Lady, whom he worshipped, and he knew it would be many a long day before his sensitively temperamental mate would forgive or forget. Meantime, so far as Lady was concerned, he was in Coventry. And just because he had saved from injury a baby who had meant no harm and who could not help herself, life all at once seemed dismayingly complex to Lad's simple soul. He whimpered a little, under his breath, and lifted his head toward Baby's dangling hand for a caress that might help make things easier. But Baby had been bitterly chagrined at Lady's reception of her friendly advances. Lady could not be punished for this, but Lad could. She slapped the lovingly upthrust muzzle with all her feeble force. For once, Lad was not amused by the castigation. He sighed a second time, and curled up on the floor beside the hammock, in a right miserable heap, his head between his tiny forepaws, his great sorrowful eyes abrim with bewildered grief. Spring drowsed into early summer, and, with the passing days, Baby continued to look less and less like an atrophied mummy, and more like a thin but normal child of five. She ate and slept, as she had not done for many a month. The lower half of her body was still dead, but there was a faint glow of pink in the flat cheeks, and the eyes were alive once more. The hands that pulled at Lad, in impulsive friendliness or in punishment, were stronger too. Their fur tugs hurt worse than at first, but the hurt always gave Lad that same twinge of pleasure, a twinge that helped to ease his heart's ache over the defection of Lady. On a hot morning in early June, when the mistress and the master had driven over to the village for the mail, the child's mother wheeled the invalid chair to a tree-roofed nook down by the lake, a spot whose deep shade and lush long grass promised more coolness than did the veranda. It was just the spot a city-dweller would have chosen for a nap, and just the spot through which no countryman would have cared to venture at that dry season without wearing high boots. Here, not three days earlier, the master had killed a copperhead snake. Here, every summer, during the late June mowing, the place's scythe-wielders moved with glum caution, and seldom did their progress go unmarked by the scythe-severed body of at least one snake. The place, for the most part, lay on hillside and plateau, free from poisonous snakes of all kinds, and usually free from mosquitoes as well. The lawn, close-shaven, sloped down to the lake. To one side of it, in a narrow stretch of bottom land, a row of weeping willows pierced the loose-stoned lake wall. Here the ground was seldom bone-dry. Here the grass grew rankest. Here also, driven to water by the drought, abode eft, lizard, and an occasional snake, finding coolness and moisture in the long grass, and a thousand hiding places amid the stone crannies or the lake wall. If either the mistress or the master had been at home on this morning, the guest would have been warned against taking baby there at all. She would have been doubly warned against the folly, which she now proceeded to commit, of lifting the child from the wheelchair, placing her on a spread rug in the grass, with her back to the low wall. The rug, on its mattress of lush grasses, was soft. The lake breeze stirred the lower boughs of the willows. The air was pleasantly cool here, and had lost the dead hotness 
that brooded over the higher ground the guest was well pleased with her choice of a resting place lad was not the big dog had been growlingly uneasy from the time the wheelchair approached the lake wall twice he put himself in front of it only to be ordered aside once the wheels hit his ribs with jarring impact as baby was laid upon her grassy bed lad barked loudly and pulled at one end of the rug with his teeth the guest shook her parasol at him and ordered him back to the house lad obeyed no orders save those of his two deities instead of slinking away he sat down beside the child so close to her that his ruff pressed against her shoulder he did not lie down as usual but sat tulip ears erect dark eyes cloudy with trouble head turning slowly from side to side nostrils pulsing to a human there was nothing to see or hear or smell other than the cool beauty of the nook the soughing of the breeze in the willows the soft fragrance of a june morning to a dog there were faint rustling sounds that were not made by the breeze they were equally faint in elusive sense that the human nose could not register notably a subtle odor as of crushed cucumbers if you have ever killed a pit viper you know that smell the dog was worried he was uneasy his uneasiness would not let him sit still it made him fidget and shift his position and once or twice growl a little under his breath presently his eyes brightened and his brush began to thud gently on the rug edge for a quarter mile above the place's car was turning in from the highway in it were the mistress and the master coming home with the mail now everything would be all right and the onerous duties of guardianship would pass to more capable hands as the car rounded the corner of the house and came to a stop at the front door the guest caught sight of it jumping up from her seat on the rug she started toward it in quest of mail so hastily did she rise that she dislodged one of the wall's small stones and sent it rattling down into a wide crevice between two larger rocks she did not heed the tinkle of stone on stone nor a sharp little hiss that followed as the falling missile smote the coils of a sleeping copperhead snake in one of the wall's lowest cavities but lad heard it and he heard the slithering of scales against rock sides as the snake angrily sought new sleeping quarters the guest walked away all ignorant of what she had done and before she had taken three steps a triangular grayish ruddy head was pushed out from the bottom of the wall twistingly the copperhead glided out into the grass at the very edge of the rug the snake was short and thick and dirty with a distinct and intricate pattern interwoven on its rough upper body the head was short flat wedge-shaped between eye and nostril on either side was a sinister pinhole that is the infallible mark of the poison sack serpent the rattlesnake swarms among some of the stony mountains of the north jersey hinterland though seldom nowadays does it venture into the valleys but the copperhead twin brother in murder to the rattler still infests meadow and lakeside smaller fatter deadlier than the diamondback it gives none of the warning which redeems the latter from complete abhorrence it is a creature as evil as its own aspect and name copperhead and rattlesnake are the only pit vipers left now between canada and virginia out from its wall cranny oozed the reptile 
along the fringe of the rug it moved for a foot or two then paused uncertain perhaps momentarily dazzled by the light it stopped within a yard of the child's wizened little hand that rested idle on the rug baby's other arm was round lad and her body was between him and the snake lad with a shiver freed himself from the frail embrace and got nervously to his feet there are two things and perhaps only two things of which the best type of thoroughbred collie is abjectly afraid and from which he will run for his life one is a mad dog the other is a poisonous snake instinct and the horror of death warn him violently away from both at stronger scent and then at sight of the copperhead lad's stout heart failed him gallantly he had attacked human marauders who had invaded the place more than once in dashing fearlessness he had fought with dogs larger than himself with a d'artagnan like gaiety of zest he had tackled and deflected a bull that had charged head down at the mistress commonly speaking he knew no fear yet now he was afraid tremulously quakingly sickly afraid afraid of the deadly thing that was halting within three feet of him with only the baby's fragile body as a barrier between left to himself he would have taken incontinently to his heels with a lower animal's instinctive appeal to a human in moments of danger he even pressed closer to the helpless child at his side as if seeking the protection of her humanness a great wave of cowardice shook the dog from foot to head the master had alighted from the car and was coming down the hill toward his guest with several letters in his hand lad cast a yearning look at him but the master he knew was too far away to be summoned in time by even the most imperious bark and it was then the child's strained gaze fell on the snake with a gasp and a shudder baby shrank back against lad at least the upper half of her body moved away from the peril her legs and feet lay inert the motion jerked the rug's fringe an inch or two disturbing the copperhead the snake coiled and drew back its three-cornered head a fork-like maroon tongue playing fitfully with a cry of panic fright at her own impotence to escape the child caught up a picture-book from the rug beside her and flung it at the serpent the fluttering book missed its mark but it served its purpose by giving the copperhead reason to believe itself attacked back went the triangular head farther than ever and then flashed forward the double move was made in the minutest fraction of a second a full third of the squat reddish body going with the blow the copperhead struck it struck for the thin knee not ten inches away from its own coiled body the child screamed again in mortal terror before the scream could leave the fear-chalked lips baby was knocked flat by a mighty and hairy shape that lunged across her toward her foe and the copperhead's fang sang deep in lad's nose he gave no sign of pain but leaped back as he sprang his jaws caught baby by the shoulder the keen teeth did not so much as bruise her soft flesh as he half dragged half threw her into the grass behind him athwart the rug again lad launched himself bodily upon the coiled snake as he charged the swift striking fangs found a second mark this time in the side of his jaw an instant later the copperhead lay twisting and writhing and thrashing impotently among the grass roots its back broken 
and its body seared almost in two by a slash of the dog's saber-like tusk the fight was over the menace was past the child was safe and in her rescuer's muzzle and jaw were two deposits of mortal poison lad stood panting above the prostrate and crying baby his work was done and instinct told him at what cost but his idol was unhurt and he was happy he bent down to lick the convulsed little face in mute plea for pardon for his needful roughness toward her but he was denied even this tiny consolation even as he leaned downward he was knocked prone to earth by a blow that all but fractured his skull at the child's first terrified cry her mother had turned back near-sighted and easily confused she had seen only that the dog had knocked her sick baby flat and was plunging across her body next she had seen him grip baby's shoulder with his teeth and drag her shrieking along the ground that was enough the primal mother instinct that is sometimes almost as strong in women as in lioness or cow was aroused fearless of danger to herself the guest rushed to her child's rescue as she ran she caught her thick parasol by the furrow and swung it aloft down came the agate handle of the sunshade on the head of the dog the handle was as large as a woman's fist and was composed of a single stone set in four silver claws as lad staggered to his feet after the terrific blow felled him the impromptu weapon arose once more in air descending this time on his broad shoulders lad did not cringe did not seek to dodge or run did not show his teeth this mad assailant was a woman moreover she was a guest and as such sacred under the guest law which he had mastered from puppyhood had a man raised his hand against lad a man other than the master or a guest there would right speedily have been a case for a hospital if not for the undertaker but as things now were he could not resent the beating his head and shoulders quivered under the force and the pain of the blows but his splendid body did not cower and the woman wild with fear and mother love continued to smite with all her random strength then came the rescue at the first blow the child had cried out in fierce protest at her pet's ill-treatment her cry went unheard mother she shrieked her high treble cracked with anguish mother don't don't he kept the snake from eating me he the frantic woman still did not heed each successive blow seemed to fall upon the little onlooker's own bare heart and baby under the stress went quite mad scrambling to her feet in crazy zeal to protect her beloved playmate she tottered forward three steps and seized her mother by the skirt at the touch the woman looked down then her face went yellow-white and the parasol clattered unnoticed to the ground for a long instant the mother stood thus her eyes wide and glazed her mouth open her cheeks ashy staring at the swaying child who clutched her dress for support and who was sobbing forth incoherent pleas for the dog the master had broken into a run and into a flood of wordless profanity at sight of his dog's punishment now he came to an abrupt halt and was glaring dazedly at the miracle before him the child had risen and had walked the child had walked she whose lower motive centres 
the wise doctors had declared were hopelessly paralyzed she who could never hope to twitch so much as a single toe or feel any sensation from the hips downward small wonder that both guest and master seemed to have caught for the moment some of the paralysis that so magically departed from the invalid and yet as a corps of learned physicians later agreed there was no miracle no magic about it babies was not the first nor the thousandth case in pathologic history in which paralyzed sensory powers had been restored to their normal functions by means of a shock the child had no malformation no accident to injure the spine or the coordination between limbs and brain a long illness had left her powerless country air and new interest in life had gradually built up wasted tissues a shock had re-established communication between brain and lower body a communication that had been suspended not broken when at last there was room in any of the human minds for aught but blank wonder and gratitude the joyously weeping mother was made to listen to the child's story of the fight with the snake a story corroborated by the master's find of the copperhead's half-severed body i'll i'll get down on my knees to that heaven-sent dog sobbed the guest and apologized to him oh i wish some of you would beat me as i beat him i'd feel so much better where is he the question brought no answer lad had vanished nor could eager callings and searchings bring him to view the master returning from a shout's punctuated hunt through the forest made baby tell her story all over again then he nodded i understand he said feeling a ludicrously unmanly desire to cry i see how it was the snake must have bitten him at least once probably oftener and he knew what that meant lad knows everything knew everything i mean if he had known a little less he'd have been human but if he'd been human he probably wouldn't have thrown away his life for baby thrown away his life repeated the guest i i don't understand surely i didn't strike him hard enough to no returned the master but the snake did you mean he has i mean it is the nature of all animals to crawl away alone into the forest to die they are more considerate than we they tried to cause no further trouble to those they have loved lad got his death from the copperhead's fangs he knew it and while we were all taken up with the wonder of baby's cure he quietly went away to die the mistress got up hurriedly and left the room she loved the great dog as she loved few humans the guest dissolved into a flood of sloppy tears and i beat him she wailed i beat him horribly and all the time he was dying from the poison he had saved my child from oh i'll never forgive myself for this the longest day i live the longest day is a long day dryly commented the master and self-forgiveness is the easiest of all lessons to learn after all lad was only a dog that's why he is dead the place's atmosphere tingled with jubilation over the child's cure her uncertain but always successful efforts at walking were an hourly delight but through the general joy the mistress and the master could not always keep their faces bright 
even the guest mourned frequently and loudly and eloquently the passing of lad and baby was openly inconsolable at the loss of her chum at dawn on the morning of the fourth day the master let himself silently out of the house for his usual before breakfast cross-country tramp a tramp on which for years lad had always been his companion heavy-hearted the master prepared to set forth alone as he swung shut the veranda door behind him something rose stiffly from a porch rug something the master looked at in a daze of unbelief it was a dog yet no such dog as had ever before sullied the cleanness of the place's well-scoured veranda the animal's body was lean to emaciation the head was swollen though apparently the swelling had begun to recede the fur from spine to toe from nose to tail-tip was one solid and shapeless mass of caked mud the master sat down very suddenly on the veranda floor beside the dirt-encrusted brute and caught it in his arms sputtering disjointedly lad laddie old friend you're alive again you're you're alive yes lad had known enough to creep away to the woods to die but thanks to the wolf strain in his collie blood he had always known how to do something far wiser than die three days of self-burial to the very nostrils in the mysteriously healing ooze of the marshes behind the forest had done for him what such mud-baths have done for a million wild creatures it had drawn out the viper poison and had left him whole again thin shaky on the legs slightly swollen of head but whole he's he's awfully dirty though isn't he commented the guest when an idiotic triumph yell from the master had summoned the whole family in sketchy attire to the veranda awfully dirty and yes curtly assented the master lad's head between his caressing hands awfully dirty that's why he's still alive end of chapter three